Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome to part two of W is for free will. At the end of part one, we were saying that what we've got here is an antinomy that uh, two what look like mutually exclusive truths that are in fact reconciled within the infinite knowledge and understanding of God. Um, I, I do hope that you'll go look at that diagram, and I have a reason for that, not because I haven't explained it so beautifully that you can't picture this in your head, but because I want you to see it, and by seeing it, it it's more likely to stick in your head. Because this diagram is, I think, helpful for a number of things. Um, mutually exclusive. No, that can't be. They can't both be true. Yes, they can. Okay, we talked about the word antinomy. Do you know the word hubris? You've probably heard it. Probably have not heard um, antinomy, but heard hubris. I, I looked it up to see what's the difference between hubris and pride and arrogance. Um, what I learned was that pride and arrogance... Uh, pride is a good thing, but it, it can become bad if it exaggerates one's self-importance relative to others. Arrogance necessarily involves uh, others and comparing oneself to others and putting myself above them. So pride can go there. Arrogance is already there. And hubris doesn't have anything to do with other people. Hubris says, I'm confident uh, I don't have limitations. I can do this. Hubris uh, doesn't relate to others. It is just, I'm confident I can get this. So, I do all that to say that there is a hubris involved with those who cannot accept what I've just said in the last part one and this much of part two. When I say that the Bible teaches both, and that they seem mutually exclusive. They are an antinomy, but they are an antinomy to the mind of man, which is finite. They are not an antinomy in the mind of God. And there is a hubris among too many people that says, no, it is an antinomy, so I will reject one or the other. It can't be. There are a number of ways that can be done. There are people who erase one of the lines. Either man has no free will or God is not totally sovereign and has not um, chosen us before the foundations of the world. And I, I don't know about you, but I have met plenty of people who erase one line or the other. I don't know how in the world they get around over and over and over again. Both truths are taught in Scripture. You just can't, you just can't escape that, which leads us to the other solution which is to bend one of those lines or both of those lines and make those verses say something that they don't. Hey, it's as clear as the very large nose on my face. Just read those verses, take them at face value. The only way to make them say something else, to bend one of those lines and make it meet the other one within the box is to perform exegetical gymnastics that just get to be silly. 
you can read it. I mean, I mean, there are authors. I've read authors who say, now, I know you think this verse says this, but what it really says is, and hey, when you get one of those, if it happens too often, there are places where the Greek or the Hebrew um, is, is more obscure than the English translation. However, if you read that with 144 verses that teach the free will of man or that teach the sovereignty of God, your suspicions should peak, I'm telling you. So there are those who deny one line or the other and just erase it from the box. There are whole denominations that do that. There are denominations that don't do missions. Why should we go out and preach the gospel? God has elected those who will be saved. It is unconditional and absolute, and they don't need me to tell them the gospel. God will save them. If they're in the elect, they will get saved whether they're told or not. That, that's just silly. It just it just flies in the face of, well, too many scripture passages um, that tell us to go out and preach the gospel. We're ambassadors for Christ. There are those who uh, completely deny the sovereignty of God. There are books and books and books on why I gave up on Calvinism, which teaches the sovereignty of God. Listen, dump the hubris. If you're in one of those, dump the hubris and accept that God has said it I believe it, and that settles it. I heard my pastor, my childhood pastor, saying that over and over and over again. Um, and I, I originally thought that he came up with that. And then I heard other people say it. So I did, in prepping for this lesson, I did a search. Who said, God said it, That uh, I believe it, that settles it. And the answer is, there's a whole bunch of guys who said it. Some of whom are just total wackos, but they repeated that line, which happens to be truth. At, at, at least it's truth for me. Here is something that looks for all the world to my human understanding like an antinomy as mutually exclusive, but God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I think this fits in the category of what Christ said when he told the disciples, unless come one comes to me as a child, we have a childlike faith. The father said it. I believed my father. Uh, I believe, When I was a little kid, I believed what my father said because I saw him as trustworthy. Uh, I grew up to realize, okay, that guy was pulling my legs sometimes. And, and we had a good laugh over it. I took him literally and later learned he was pulling my leg. My heavenly father doesn't pull my leg. He tells me stuff that's true. And he has told me both that he chose me in him before the foundations of the world and that I must exercise faith in order to be eternally saved. Those seem mutually exclusive. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. I believe it, and that settles it. End of discussion. I, I with a childlike faith, not childish, but childlike faith, believe what he says. So the outcomes are that I ignore the clear teaching of a whole bunch of Bible passages if I reject these two truths, I limit my evangelism, or I descend into a spiritual arrogance that says, I'm better than those who do not exercise faith, or God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, here's the reason that I want you to have this image of the diagram glued in your head, because it applies to other biblical teachings as well. God is sovereign, and Ephesians 1.11 says, He works out all things in accordance with his will, not just who gets saved, but all things. But the Bible also teaches 
that prayer is powerful and effective. James says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Um, It changes things. You can read over and over and over again that God answered prayer. Um, He tells us, he tells us to pray. Oh, here's a great example. Um, when Elijah was up on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, uh, he prayed and God sent rain. Why did he pray? God told him, I'm going to send rain. And then Elijah prayed for rain. In uh, the New Testament, in James, it says that James prayed and God sent rain in response to uh, Elijah's prayer. Which was it? Did God tell Elijah it's going to rain and Elijah prayed? Or did God send rain because Elijah prayed? And the answer is yes. See, here's another example where the two things seem mutually exclusive, but they're not. So why do we pray? Is prayer effective? And the answer is yes. Well, wait a minute. I thought you said God had determined everything in his sovereign will before. He did. There's our diagram again. How are those mutually exclusive truths reconciled? They are reconciled somewhere in the mind of God. What about obedience and disobedience and the issue of culpability? Can I be held responsible for my sin if God is sovereign and has, it's his fault I did that. No, it's not. It's my fault. And so in Romans chapter 9, or is it 11, um, Paul says that God made vessels of dishonor and that he ordained that Pharaoh should have his heart hardened. Then how is Pharaoh culpable? Because God said he is. That's why. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Okay, so there is is my understanding of the free will of man. You can take it or leave it, but if you decide to leave it, what in the world are you going to do with all of those passages that call on us to believe? And what in the world are you going to do with those passages that call on us to tell others about God's gift of salvation? Why should we bother telling others if the sovereignty of God has elected them? And if God is not sovereign, what are we going to do with passages like he chose us in him before the foundations of the world in Ephesians 1 and all of the others that we cited two weeks ago? So there you have it. Um, Do with it what you will. But uh, yeah, Uh, work on it, chew on it. And again, if you've got feedback, I would love to hear from you through our Facebook page, Soup Podcast. I'm sorry, through our email uh, soup, uh, ABC Soup Podcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry, ABC Soup Podcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page. Just do a search for, um, for Alphabet Soup and, and you'll find it and you'll recognize the logo. So there you have it. Hey, God bless. <laughs>